Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm Mark Warner along with Chris Lisa out on Long Island. <clears throat> and the Golden Knights have returned triumphantly to T-Mobile Arena after the second leg of a season-long eight-game road trip. Um, cleaning up in Carolina, Nashville, and Florida. Drop, the only game they dropped was a really well-played game, actually, against Tampa Bay. Coming home 3-1. and one. Um, I don't know how that's going to affect the crowd reaction for Coach DeBoer's first game at the Fortress. Um, maybe cut a few of the boos down to uh, accepting silence, perhaps. Um, according to some polls on Twitter, um, it's split just about 50-50 on uh, that note. But really, really played well in these all four of the games on the end of this road trip, Chris. Yeah, no, we uh, we talked about it was a critical time for the team. Um, it's funny, they really struggled on, quote-unquote, the first half of that road trip broken in between there with their break and the All-Star right. break and their break. So it's kind of like two separate trips. And when you, you know, other than I think the game in Boston on that first trip, you know, Ottawa, Buffalo, uh, the other teams escaping me, I think Montreal, right? Then they yes, got Montreal. Sir. So, you know, uh decent not easy but you know not not a not a gauntlet either and i think they went did they go one two and one is is my memory uh right on that one they went okay they had an oh and then and then coming out of the break they were going to carolina nashville tampa and florida all those teams playing really well all those teams uh step up in class other than boston and they go three and one so uh, that that was uh, we talked about that being uh, a very critical time for them coming out of the break. Uh, they uh, excelled. The one game they lost was in Tampa Bay, who's who's playing really well right now. And so now they come home for the rest of the month of February. They have ten games, um, eight of which are at home. Uh, not easy games when you look at the schedule. Um, Absolutely. Have it up right right now, just real quick. Tonight, Carolina. Then they go to Minnesota. Uh, then they come home and play St. Louis, the Islanders, the Capitals, the Lightning, the Panthers. Uh, then they go to the Anaheim, which is a back-to-back situation. And then they come home and finish the month against Edmonton, which is, will be a big divisional game, and then Buffalo. So, you know, no, not a lot of. Well, look, there there aren't really any more easy games in the NHL, right? I mean, right. Uh, even, even the teams that are quote unquote not good, uh, they they play hard and they bring it. And if you're not on your P's and Q's, uh, you know, you can you can lose. You know, uh, uh, you you have to you have to play well. I just asked the Islanders the other night against the Kings. They won, but you know, you, you can't just. It was a struggle. No yeah, there's no games where you just throw out your sticks and you skate out there and, you know, like like a number of years ago, if you will, and you could just, like, coast to a win. That's that's not the case. So, um, no. Look yeah, no further so, but, than uh, 
than the first half of this eight-game road trip. You just said Buffalo, Ottawa, Montreal, and Boston. Boston really being the only elite team that they faced. And and the Golden Knights go, like you said, one, two, and one. So you, you don't have to look any further than, than three weeks ago to uh, verify your point there, Chris. Yeah, so look, so far so good. Um, like I said, uh, like to see them get off to a good start. Uh, well, like I said, it won't be easy. Carolina's a good, I mean, all these are good teams. Uh, Carolina's a good team. Uh, Minnesota in Minnesota is not an easy game. They've been playing yeah, a little better game. lately. Yeah. yeah, I mean, they probably won't make the playoffs, but you know, they're a competent team. And then the Blues, arguably, uh, are the best team in the West. So that's that's the next. And one of the top teams in the league and the defending Stanley Cup champions. So Absolutely. just the next, yeah. So just the next three is no. Uh, oh, and then the next three after that are you know the Islanders who are a good team, and then the Capitals and the Lightning come in. So I mean, uh, no rest for the for the weary. Yeah, it's like, um, and not not only are eight of their next ten at home for the month of February, but then the first two in March are also at home. So 10 of the next 12 games are at home and the March schedule uh, starts off uh, with the Kings and New Jersey. So that would be a, that's a four game homestand. That's uh, Edmonton, Buffalo, LA and New Jersey. That's, that's uh, those are points you have to get. Um, And really the, the road game before that four game is just a short trip over to Anaheim. So they're not even leaving the time zone for that. So you got a, you got a one and one home and road starting tonight at the fortress uh, against Carolina. um, They did just get that win in Carolina last Saturday night, last Friday night. Sorry. So that's the rematch game right between those two teams. And then the roadie up to Minnesota real quick. And then back for the five game homestand. Uh, and you mentioned that's a that's a tough stretch right there. You, you're you're hosting, you know, all five playoff teams as we sit here and speak. Then the shorty over to Anaheim, and then maybe the easier portion of this homestand uh, is the four game stretch when Edmonton comes in. That's like you said, that's a big game. But then Buffalo, the Kings, and New Jersey. Um, that second half of the homestand is going to be critical to rack up points because then they go on the road in March for four games, uh, three against the West, two, two back-to-back Calgary and Edmonton, and then another one at Minnesota. Oh, and then you finish up. It's a, it's a uh, five-game road trip, finishing that road trip in Colorado uh, towards the third week of March. So it's not an easy schedule for the Golden Knights. I think fortunately that the 10 of the next 12 at home, um, I, I think this is where the team is either going to hit its stride. Um, keep in mind the, the trade deadline is sandwiched in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll find, we'll see the roster uh, get finalized for the playoff run. Um, William Carlson and Cody Glass have both been described as close. Carlson uh, closer than Cody Glass. And the, uh, in, interesting, we've now seen uh, – Excuse me. Seven games with with Pete DeBoer, but Pete DeBoer has yet to see William Carlson. So it'll be interesting to see what he does with his center lines um, in contrast to what Gallant, how Gallant rolled out, um, you know, Carlson, what what he does with Glass and Eakin. Uh, Stevenson's playing really good hockey 
hard to move that because uh, the Marsha Show Smith line with Stastny has been playing very well. And the Stone Pacioretty line has been playing very well with Stevenson. So it'll be interesting to see um, when this roster is healthy and finalized at the trade deadline, um, the lines and also the defensive pairings, how they get straightened out as well. We talked a little bit that Zach Whitecloud had come up uh, instead of Nick Haig for the first game back while Flurry was, was uh, serving this one game suspension for missing the all-star break. Well, Zach Whitecloud's played fantastic hockey. He's come up and he's fit right into the system um, he's very responsible with the puck defensively. He skates very well, moves the puck on the breakout very well. He's a, you know, you, you don't look at him and go up oh, rookie. He, he just seems to slide right into the lineup. He brings a right-hand shot on defense, which the Vegas Golden Knights, we talked about the, on a regular night, they're icing one right-hand shot and five left-hand shots on defense. Um, so it, it, Nick Haig, last I checked, has not been recalled. Um, so it looks like white cloud again tonight. So w- once everything gets, gets straightened out, it's going to be interesting towards the end of this road trip. Um, just to see where, where Pete DeBoer thinks all these pieces fit together, especially as well as they're playing. Um, you know, the old saying, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Certainly you're going to put Carlson and glass back into the lineup. Um, you, you could have a center depth of, I mean, any way you want to do it. Carlson, Stevenson, Stastny, Glass, Eakin, Nosek's played center. Um, I, 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 it's going to be real interesting to see how this roster shakes out. Yeah, and, and the, even though they have this nice run, I mean, there's no time to rest on one's laurels. It's kind of reminiscent of the East in terms of you look at the Pacific Division you know, they're in, you're like, great, hey, we're in second place. We're only two points out of first. Uh, yeah, that's true. But, you know, Edmonton's only one point behind Vegas uh, to, to take over that second spot, and they have two games in hand. Uh, right. You know, Arizona and Calgary currently holding the wild card games, while Arizona's played as many games as Vegas. They're only two points back, and Calgary is three points back, but they have a game in hand. And then you look at the four teams – currently outside of the playoff bubble. Uh, I, I said it before. I don't know if it was the last show or the show before. Watch out for Nashville with all those games in hand they had in Vegas. Well, they're only four points behind Vegas with, with three games in hand. Uh, and then you have, you know, Winnipeg in there. You have Minnesota. You have Chicago. So, you know, odds are one of those teams, if not two of them, are going to go on a good run between now and then. So you, all these teams got to keep winning you know same thing like you could be said for the the teams the teams in the eastern conference specifically in the metro but uh all these teams every night is really a a big game you gotta you you gotta you gotta compile points uh so this is um uh you know like i said this is uh I, i haven't seen the league like this and i can't remember ever i mean uh like i said there's a lot of good teams um you know, interesting to note too. You know, Vegas is is only fourteen ten and three at home this year. You know, in their yeah, first absolutely. two seasons, first two seasons they were a much much better home team. Now they've been good on the road. You know, almost identical record on the road. So they've been solid on the road. But fourteen ten and three at home is 
you know, very pedestrian, uh, to say the least. Uh, but, you know, looking, looking at the Western Conference, though, there's a lot of teams with very mediocre uh, home records, uh, other than like Vancouver or, or uh, Minnesota uh, or St. Louis. So, but be that as it may. Uh, it's, again, uh, every game is a big game. And the difference between, you know, being in the top three of one's division uh, could be could literally be a point or m- making the playoffs via a wild card or just getting in, again, could be a point. So all these games are precious. Well, the I mean, everyone in the Pacific needs to to be eyeing those three spots. Um, well, you went down the list. That's nine teams within – I'm going to use Vancouver's 65 points. There's nine teams uh, down to Chicago at 58 uh, within seven points of each other in the West and, and uh, you know, St. Louis, Colorado, they're, they're, they're above that 65 point threshold. That's why I left them out. St. Louis was 72, Colorado was 66. So that 65 point threshold where we sit right now, um, roughly 25 games on average left to go 25, 28, depending, you know, games in hand and all that. Right. Um, the, the, those seven teams, you could, easily look at it that they're playing for two wild card spots and three three secured playoff spots um so <clears throat> excuse me like like you say um don't sleep on chicago that's that core still has championship experience um don't sleep on winnipeg they a good solid if, if they get into the playoffs they're that kind of team that can go on a run because of the style of hockey that they play. They have skill, they can finish, and they're they're a big, strong, heavy style team. But but they can skate and they can play fast. It, it's sometimes that game doesn't translate to the regular season. You know what I'm saying? The Winnipeg, if they do get in, that's going to be a dangerous team. Uh, Nashville playoff experience all up and down that roster. Um, it's a big win for Vegas the other night to go into Nashville and get that win at the time uh, they would have closed the wild card gap um, between Vegas and Nashville. And that, that's almost at that point, you look at it like a four point game. And, and I, I thought that game was the key to the entire road trip there. Chris was the Nashville game. Yeah, I, I could see. Yeah, I could see why you said that. And that was the back to back situation. And also to emphasize the point of there's no easy games. Um, like we talked about the schedule before, he said, "Oh, you got Anaheim on there, you got Devils on there. Okay, those are games that should be no problem." You know, Anaheim. You know, even though that they're they have the second worst record in the West, their their record is twenty two, twenty six, and seven. I mean, I, I get it; they lost seven overtime games, so you know. But my point is, you know, that's not that's not god awful. It's not like they can't win games. When, and New Jersey is only ni- they're nineteen, twenty four, and ten. Now, at the end of the day, you know, in those cases, if you're Vegas or whoever, with those teams not going to make the playoffs, you, you don't care how you get the two points. You'd rather get them in regulation because that is a tiebreaker. But if you get them in overtime, so be it. But my point being is, you know, again, those games are not – they're not just give me. You know, those teams uh, are playing hard. You know, for, you know again, other than, Detro- other than Detroit – and other than the Kings, and the Kings have, a, you know, a, a, a lot of pride in that team. Um, you know, these teams are playing, you know, they're playing hard. Oh, yeah, no no question about it. I, um, <clears throat> excuse me. 
the the Kings went ahead and, and traded a little bit of that hard away. Um, we'll get into that a little bit. There was a trade between the Kings and Toronto that sent Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell to the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for a couple picks and a, and a roster player. But we'll we'll get into that towards the end of the the show. We'll break that trade down for you. So a little bit a little bit of that hard left the L.A. Kings. Uh, Kyle Clifford is a heart and soul guy from that team. Two Stanley Cup rings, never afraid to stand up for his teammates, and that's a presence in the room that that is is actually going is going to be missed. But it's the kind of trade where you're rebuilding, and that's the kind of player you think you can get in a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick later on as you're developing your roster to go forward. Um, I did want to talk a little bit about the, the last game on the road trip. Um, the, the Florida game, they, they marched on with a five-point effort, two goals, three assists. They go into the third period uh, in, a, in, a, in a tight game, score-wise, three to two. But if you look a little bit deeper inside the numbers, the, the Golden Knights were – I mean, in the third period, it almost looked like the Panthers quit. Bobrovsky got chased, um, and you never want to see say, say that a team quit. But there was so much offensive zone time and so much – um, physicality. They hit the Florida Panthers twenty-two to fifteen. Um, a, again, a pretty good uh, showing on that penalty kill, which went one for three. And since DeBoer uh, came on board, the most noticeable improvement has been the penalty kill. I keep harping on that, but now, right now, they're three for twenty-one in the seven games that. Uh, Pete DeBoer has been the head coach and that's coming off of January back to mid December where they've been, were basically running at a, at a 60% clip. And they went from like eighth in the league on the penalty killed to last in the league during that stretch. Um, so, so again, uh, Florida Panthers have a pretty decent power play. They've got a lot of finishing skill on that cheek on that, uh, on that, <clears throat> excuse me, on that roster with Hoffman and Huberdeau, um, visit Trocheck. They, they can finish. Um, so well, one for three, not too bad, but here's where, uh, and I know a lot of people don't like shots on goal as, as, as a stat per se, but it, in this game, I think it was really indicative of, of the, the style of game that, that the golden Knights brought to the ice that they came out and in the first period, um, they're out shot 13 to seven. They take <coughs> goodness gracious. Um, Two penalties, one at the 15 mark and one at the 16 mark, um, 1507 and 1622. Um, so that's a little bit. But but Florida played competitive in, in the first period. They come out in the second period, and first period you're looking at a uh, – at the end of one, it's a 1-1 game. Hoffman with a power play goal. Um, a minute 41 into the second, Mark Stone scores. Um, Trocek answers at 11.52, and then right away at 12.18, uh, pass ready from Stone and Holden, uh, takes that 3-2 lead into the third period. Um, in that in that second period, the Golden Knights came back and outshot the Florida Panthers 17-9. And then, so you're on the road. It's the last game of an eight-game road trip. Um, you're supposed to be, you know, they had the break and everything, but you're not supposed to come out on the road against a good team and in a 3-2 hockey game, outshoot them 15-3. to um, And then at, at the same time, you're putting four unanswered on the board in the third period. That's, that's 
I, I said that the Nashville game was the uh, the statement game of of that road trip. Um, that's the statement period of the road trip was that third period again against the Florida Panthers. And, it, it, I, I, and I hate to say that a professional hockey team just laid down, but in that third period, um, Schmidt scored 17 seconds into the period. Theodore skated they, uh, shorthanded. Florida was going for a change. Theodore took the, the puck end to end, skated right through it. You know, it was a horrible change by Florida. He skated right over the blue line and let it rip from about 35 feet and beat Bifrosky clean, and that was the end of his night. And basically that was the end of the Florida Panthers' night too. Um, there's a there's a little thing in, in Vegas where you say the the first game home after a long road trip is a, is a gotcha game. So tonight against Carolina, that Carolina is a great club. You're going to have to be careful. They're going to have to show up and put that third period effort into the first period tonight to get off on the right foot. Um, total total shots on goal for that game. One real quick before we get to Gabriel Foley, who is waiting for us. Um, total shots on goal, 39 to 25 in, in the last road. It just go, shows the offensive zone time and the just – very good, very good hockey. That's, that's, I mean, there's no other way to say it. And and also, it also shows though the deficiency of the Florida Panthers, who can score, but they give up a lot of goals, kind of like Toronto. So yeah, Bobrovsky with a 3.11 goals against, and he's a much better goaltender than that. That's his, I believe, his career low. They said on the broadcast, um, he still has 20 wins, I believe, this season. But that's um, testament to the. Panthers and their offense. Well, let's let's go ahead and bring Gabriel Foley in. We're going to talk a little St. Louis Blues hockey. Gabriel, are you there, sir? Yeah, I'm here. Fantastic. Good to talk to you today, sir, again. Yeah, always a pleasure to be on. I haven't talked to you guys in a bit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we wanted to have you on. The Golden Knights are opening up a a homestand tonight against Carolina. There's a, there's a trip to Minnesota in the middle. But St. Louis Blues coming to town uh, to take on the Vegas Golden Knights, so give us a give us a quick update on on how this, obviously they've been playing great, leading the Central Division. Um, give us a quick update. Um, any, any injuries that uh, may not be resolved by the time they come to town? Anything like that going on with the Blues? Uh, well, Oscar Sundquist uh, recently left, and he, I think two or three games now. Um, he joined the. team for morning skate this morning, uh, as well as Vladimir Tarasenko, but neither player is expected to play within the next three games when they play Vegas. For Vegas fans, they can expect uh, both Sunquist and Tarasenko to miss out of that game, which is a big part of those offense. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so far, it hasn't been easy either way uh back in december the blues in st louis beat the golden knights four to two and then early in january the i believe that's the game where the golden knights came from three goals down to go ahead and beat the blues five to four um but really that that homestand the golden knights run was really the um the beginning of the end for uh gerard gallant they were in the middle of a five game out of seven stretch and when they were letting in the first three goals of the hockey game, um, 
and it, it came to a head in Buffalo for the Golden Knights. So this will be the Blues' first trip to Vegas with the new coach, DeBoer. Um, how f- – oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> trying to – all right, well, that will be their first trip to visit against the Golden Knights with Coach DeBoer. Their penalty kill has been fantastic since then. Um, are the Blues – Talk, talk a little bit to me about Jordan Bennington and his season that he's been having. Is he playing as well as he did after he got the call up last season? Has his play come it's, off a little bit, or is, or is he still rocking and rolling? It's definitely been um, a, a bit more of what we expected out of him. Um, he still boasts, you know, a 24-10-5 record, uh, 9-10 save percentage. Um, Still keeps him among the uh, among the above average in the league. Um, in his last five games, Bennington has gone. Oh, he's allowed 17 goals um, on shots. So he's had a bad stretch lately, and it's leading a lot of Blues uh, fans. If you ask me, a bit early but to write him off a little bit. Um, so I think for the first time in his career, we're seeing a Jordan Bennington who, instead of being on top of the world and having, you know, the entire league spotlight shining on him, um, he's kind of down the dumps and he needs to work with goalie coach David Alexander to work on his thinking and his mindset to rebound from what's been a pretty poor stretch for him lately, um, which is obviously a, a huge turnaround from where he was last year, um, where nothing could phase him, and you know he was unstoppable. Um, so yeah, the against Dallas, Anaheim, and Vegas are going to be huge for Blues fans to see how Jordan Bennington can uh, take this pressure and how he can rebound from such a a poor situation. Hey, Gabriel, it's Chris here. So everyone, we're talking to Gabriel Foley. Last word on Puck, senior editor and contributor for St. Louis Game Time as well. So, uh, you know, when I get from from afar, it, it seems to me, uh, the best team, you know, it's, it's amazing when you turn the, if you went the calendar back to this time last year, but it, you know, at this point in time, you know, to me, the blues are the teams to beat in the West, uh, not just because they won the cup last year, but they've uh, quite honestly have been the most consistent team. I think they, uh, I, I think they have the best squad. Um, the worry, I guess I would have uh, Gabriel is let's face it. When you win a Stanley cup to climb that Mount Everest, if you will, uh, the neck, it, it takes a toll on the body, uh, big time. Now we haven't really seen that that much this year. I'm sure there've been a game or two here where the blues wish they had a better effort, but for the most part that has not crept into their game. But now, you know, I expect them to win the central and be in a good position going to the playoffs, but it's not going to be an easy road. And how much worry is there going to be that at a certain point that wear and tear from last year, will creep into uh, the, the Blues players uh, and could affect their playoff uh, uh, another Stanley Cup run this year. 
There has been a lot of worry all year since Tarasenko fell in late October with a shoulder injury that's kept him out until, you know, the end of this month or early next month. Um, Blues fans have been really concerned about injuries. Obviously, players like Oscar Sundquist have fallen to injury here and there. Um, but in the light of these injuries, the Blues have had, you know, players coming out of nowhere and performing extremely well. Players like Sid Perron and Zach Sanford lately. Um, Sanford, in the light of the Sunquist injury and just a need for a shakeup, he scored five goals and 11 points in his last 10 games. And so there has been concern about wear and tear and how a Blues team that's you know chippy and busted butt every night um, might might get affected by uh, you know such a heavy schedule, but even with injuries and even with you know back-to-back games and stuff, it seems like the Blues have always found a way to uh, get scoring from places that no one would expect scoring to front come from, or you know get good performances out of players who have been struggling and stuff. Um, and I think going into playoffs they'll have Tarasenko back and hopefully that can help meld their top six a bit and make them not have to rely on, you know, such small names, but being able to have a trustworthy depth and, you know, being able to rely on those players is the name of the game in St. Louis. And it's what's one of, it's what won them the cup last year. And it's going to, be what pushes them to another cup. Gabriel? Yep. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Um, so it seems to me that you actually brought up an interesting point about Tarasenko. seems to me that the Blues are really in line to be an aggressive buyer at the trade deadline. A guy over here in New York, which seemed to be a great fit for them, uh, would be kind of like uh, Chris Kreider, which would probably cost the Blues their their first round pick and something else. So talk to me about a will the Blues be aggressive at the trade deadline? B if so, what are they looking for? And C you've mentioned Tarasenko. What is is there a realistic timeline of him being able to come back before the end of the season? Before the end of the regular season? Um. Well, touching on if they're going to be buyers or not, it's so hard to tell with a team like St. Louis. Um, with the Justin Falk trade earlier in the year, we all kind of woke up to that deal. No one expected it. No one expected the Blues to be looking for uh, add defensive help or anything. Um, it was almost like general manager Doug Armstrong just, you know, sent a random text one day uh, as a gimmick and got a reply they wanted, and the trade happened. You know, it was off-the-wall thing. So there's no real telling what's going through the Blues' heads right now. And I think that's reflected in the kind of split opinions of the Blues beat writers. For example, Jeremy Rutherford, Blues beat writer for The Athletic, has been adamant about the Blues' need to go out and acquire a player like Kreider, or Tyler Toffoli from the Kings, or Tomas Tatar from Montreal. Um, all 
three players who are on the block. Um, but then there are other riders like Lou Korak and even myself who think that going out and spending a lot of assets to bring in top six forwards could lead to a log jam when Tarasenko does come back. And right now it's looking like he could be back as soon as the end of this month or early March. Um, I'm confident that he'll be back by playoffs without a doubt. Um, he's back skating with the team and, you know, doing all the normal stuff that you wouldn't really expect him to do with a shoulder injury. He's been taking, you know, wrist shots, slap shots, um, going through drills. So it's positive signs and definitely points in the direction of him being able to come back sooner rather than later. And from my perspective, I think that when you get the top six swinger that Tarasenko is, when you get him back in the lineup, you have another name there that you just It's just going to cause ruckus in the lineup, and you're going to make players unhappy. You're not be able to get everything out of the player that you'd hoped. Um, so I think there are a lot of options that need to be weighed for St. Louis. Obviously, adding another score never hurts. Um, especially for a team that, in my belief, so close to the grasp up. Um, but at the same time, you know, how does that affect the lineup and the morale and yada, yada, all the, all the usual things you have to consider at the trade deadline. So it's definitely a tough, tough decision for St. Louis. And I, I really don't think there's any way to tell. For sure, uh... Oh, last one for me, Gabriel. Yeah, last one for me, Gabriel. Uh, in terms of, if I said to you, Gabriel, who is the biggest contending team that is a concern for you in terms of thwarting the Blues repeat champions? What team in the West you say, boy, oh boy, St. Louis plays this team in the playoffs. It's gonna be, it's not, it's gonna be a bear. What team is that for you? If I had to pick one team, it'd be the Colorado Avalanche, who are second in the West and just have the scariest offense that you could have. Um, they've had a absolutely amazing year and with players like Gabriel Landeskog and Rantanen back in the lineup and back to doing their thing, it's just been nuts in Colorado this year. Um, they actually have, if my numbers are correct, the most gold for in the West by almost 20 um, this season. Stuff. So their offense is already so scary. And with so much cap space and a general manager like Joe Sackick, who's not scared to make a move, I think they make a big move at the trade deadline and they get an even scarier offense or a more consistent defense and goaltending, something like that. And I think by far they're the team in the West and in all honesty, probably my underdog for the Stanley Cup put later in the year. Well, Gabriel, you mentioned uh, Sackick's uh, penchant for being aggressive with the roster. And I, I, I could say the same thing for Doug Armstrong. One of my worries about that team last year was uh, he, it had a really good core. And if I believe there was 
seven to nine players that were moved out or brought in um, to remake the Blues roster. And I think the first half of the season is reflective of, you know, new faces, new places, building chemistry, finding who's going to play with who. Um, a lot of that, I believe, went into St. Louis. And there was, you know, the, the famous practice fight um, as, as the team was trying to to grow with the new faces and places. And we saw the results of what happened um, in the Stanley Cup final once that team finally came together. I, I would expect St. Louis to be busy at the deadline, but like like you said, bringing in a uh, top six guy like a Toffoli or, or some of the other names you mentioned, the the Toffoli can bring uh, Stanley Cup pedigree into the locker room, and and it what it's always good in my opinion uh, to have the more cup rings in the room, the better. Uh, the young players can look over and say, that dude's won the Stanley Cup. I need to emulate what he's doing in practice. I need to emulate how he goes about his business. That dude's a champion. And the, and the, the other players that come to the team that are maybe a little bit more experienced and haven't, haven't gone to the Stanley Cup final can, can look around that room and, you know, instant respect for the, for the team that, that they're joining. My, my concern is like you said, once Tarasenko gets healthy and Sunquist comes back, is creating that log jam where you're trying to rebuild the the chemistry or not rebuild it, but maybe reshape it is a better way to put it. Is that any kind of a concern that perhaps Armstrong might get too aggressive at the trade deadline and and maybe tinkering with something you know I, I used this phrase earlier in the show if it ain't broke don't fix it you're the number one seed in the western conference how much tinkering with this roster really needs to be done at this point um you know i i don't know if doug armstrong will be too aggressive um because he's so unpredictable like with the false trade earlier in the absolutely year. i mean that just that blew my mind when it happened. But <laughs> you and a lot of people. Yeah. Um, he knows this Blues roster in and out. He knows all of these guys and spends quality time with all of these guys, um, which I feel like is, you know, not to discount any other NHL GMs, but it's definitely uh, a rarity in the league to see a GM so engaged with his team and to – know so much about every name and that's why we didn't see at the deadline last year because as much as every fan was calling for a big trade um armstrong knew that the roster he had was stanley cup caliber um even though the standings didn't reflect it and their play didn't reflect it and what have you he knew and he trusted the guys and it paid off for him um and I think we're seeing a lot of that this year, but at the same time, like you said, you know, every roster needs tinkering and there's no better time to do it. Um, the blues goaltending has been amazing with Jake Allen, I believe in the top six of both save percentage and goals against this year and Jordan Bennington doing what he does. So that's strong. And their defense has been just as strong. Um, I think if, you're going to change anything or add to anything, it's going to be the Blues offense. And that's where names like Kreider and Toffoli and Tatar come into play is uh, adding a scoring threat to the Blues offense that 
great as Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron and Zach Sanford even, as great as they have done, um, adding another true scorer and a proven veteran to the lineup um, can only pay dividends. Um, so I think, yeah, if you're going to change anything, it's got to be that top six presence. Um, but then again, you, know, you look at teams like the Boston Bruins, who are top three in the league, looking at another Stanley Cup run like last year. But they're bottom six, and sometimes their defense, and sometimes their goaltending all raises eyebrows. Um, there's definitely inconsistency, and that's what makes Boston one of the most popular uh, trade deadline names this year. And I don't think you see that in St. Louis. Um, like you guys said, uh, at my opening, the Blues have been incredibly consistent all year. And I don't see a direct need for uh, any important moves at the trade deadline. But, yeah, <laughs> it's just – it's such a tricky situation for St. Louis to be in because the more skilled, the better, right? <laughs> Yeah, no question about it. Well, Gabriel, we're getting a little bit of cut out on your mic, and we're going to let you go. Can you real quick give out your Twitter handle and where they can find your last word on puck stuff, sir? Yep, fans can follow me on Twitter at NHL Foley. That's N-H-L-F-O-L-E-Y. And then I am the senior editor for Last Word on Hockey and write for St. Louis Game Time, who runs the fan-run paper before every home game in St. Louis. I just celebrated 25 years earlier this week. So fans can. All right. Well, congratulations on that. Definitely. Congratulations yeah. on that. When we get yeah, there and the Vegas golden Knights are uh, going against the St. Louis blues in the Western conference final, we're going to give you a call back and get your takes on that <laughs> series. Sir. Is that if the Knights keep playing the way they are, that may just well be the Western conference final. Thanks for coming in yeah, today. Okay. And we appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. Nice talking to you guys. All right, that's Gabe Foley. Obviously, you just heard him. You can follow him on Twitter at NHL Foley. Um, we're going to be playing the St. Louis Blues uh, coming up here next week. So um, it's kind of nice, and I know I, I hope Tarasenko gets better. But uh, if you have to play the Blues with Tarasenko or without Tarasenko, obviously you take the without Tarasenko. So hopefully he'll be well enough to come back the very next game after the Vegas Golden Knights play uh, the St. Louis Blues. Good good stuff there, Chris. Well, absolutely, absolutely. So let's finish up the show. There was a trade this week. Maybe it'll kick off the trade deadline season. Your Kings moved Kyle Clifford and Jack Campbell to Toronto. And this, to me, is the the blueprint of the Kings, what they want to do. And that's as many dr- good draft picks as they can get. We talked about this around the trade deadline and you mentioned to me about a couple of Kings players and you mentioned some roster players. Or, and I said, no, no, no. I go, I, I think they want picks. I think they're loading for bear in terms of picks and this, you know, not that I had a bug in, uh, in, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Rob Blake's office or whatnot, but uh, I proved to be correct here. And that they picked up a third round pick in 2020 from the Leafs, which, uh, is Columbus's pick that somehow Toronto got. And then they pick up additional uh, third-round pick in 2021, but that pick can become a second-round pick if Kyle Clifford resigns, which is probably unlikely given Toronto's cap. But this is even the, the caveat 
that makes this very possible is if Jack Campbell can win six regular season games and he already has one in the bank, as you mentioned to me, when Toronto makes the playoffs, that third round pick in 2021 becomes a second round pick. Uh, you know, th- picks in rounds two and three go under the radar. These are really good picks. Uh, you know, everyone talks worries about or looks at the first round. We all do the same when we do our mock draft show. We always do the first round. Uh, but, but you know, this is these are bread and butter picks. So to get two good picks, worst case scenario, two threes for a pending UFA in Kyle Clifford, who's who's a great bottom six player, and Jack Campbell, who's 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 probably a really good you know number two goalie, but guys who are not part of their long term plans. And to get to at least, you know, two good picks and maybe not, you know, a good pick and a really good pick potentially, uh, to me, this is a home run for the Kings. And uh, I think they're going to be a busy bee because, you know, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned Toffoli, he's going to go. Trevor Lewis is probably going to go. Derek Fulbert is probably going to go. Uh, even Alec you know, Martinez. Could go. Ben, a guy like Ben Hutton. You know, so they're going to... On and on and on. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to compile as many picks as possible. They have have a number of pending UFAs that people are going to be interested in. And, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to load up on those, uh, on those draft picks. And I think that's good. They need to uh, not only draft picks, but the players you mentioned, cap space has been an issue for this Kings team for about five years now. Um, they're, they're writing some of Dean Lombardi's signings, which I, I, Hey, I get the Mike Richards deal was, was a bad deal and that was a buyout, but it, <clears throat> that deal put them behind the eight ball in, in acquiring the, let's say middle nine depth that middle six, middle six, bottom nine, depth that would have allowed the Kings to continue competing for championships. And if you take Toffoli and Martinez and Forbort and Clifford and Lewis, and you're turning all those into draft picks, you're also restructuring your cap space situation, which is also a a big concern when you're not having, I mean, they took, they took Trevor Moore back. But when when you're going through your rebuild, you need what do you need? You need three things. You need young players, you need picks, and you need cap space. So by by doing this, they're they're working on all three of those at the same time. It, it's going to be a long rebuild, but if and the, you know they got the first for, Toronto's first for Muzzin. Um, if they can. If they can continue taking trades like this, I, I agree with you. This is the exact deal um, that the Kings are going to be looking for around the league. And, you know, what he brings to Toronto, Kyle Clifford specifically, obviously two Stanley Cups, but I think there's, I think they're missing something since Kadri uh, left for Colorado in that grit and someone – who's never been afraid to stand up for their teammates, always puts his teammates ahead of himself. And to walk into the locker room with two Stanley Cup rings on your hand, 
um, for a team that's been trying to get over this first round hump forever and a day. Um, watching Kyle Clifford's professional attitude every day in and out of practice and watching the physicality. And, and I think that kind of player, you know, the, George McPhee made, made a great quote when they acquired Ryan Reeves. He said he makes the whole team bigger. And what he meant by that was with Ryan Reeves on the ice, you you can free up a little bit to finish a check. And I don't mean a dirty check. I just mean to play a more physical game and know that somebody and, and Clifford's one of the best middleweights in the league. Let's, let's not, you know, no bones about it. He, he's had his share in the, uh, in the trenches to, uh, to know that Clifford's on your roster now and can bring that physicality and protect the, the let's face it, the, they're still young guys in their core in Toronto besides Tavares. Um, to know that that guy's there makes that whole team bigger. And it's the kind of guy that can bring a team to uh, to play for each other a little bit more. And maybe sometimes when you're young and you're skilled and you're blessed with the loads of talent that the, the young core in Toronto has, maybe you play for yourself a little bit um, from time to time. And I think Kyle Clifford can really help that team as far as presence and locker room and, and bringing the team to play for each other a little bit more. So I think Toronto gets some intangibles in Kyle Clifford that you may not see on the score sheet, but you may see in the results long-term. I agree with you. My last point for me, though, is when I look at the Toronto road, even if they can make the playoffs, which is no guarantee, right? Because they're battling with Florida for for that third spot, and there's a whole hodgepodge of teams. For the wild card, I look at it this way. Toronto's best case scenario to make the playoffs is they're either going to be the – they're going to sneak in as the third spot in the Atlantic. Well, what does that mean? Well, that means they're going to get Tampa <laughs> in the first round. Or Again. they're going to sneak, sneak in as a wild card, which means they're either going to get Tampa or Boston or the Capitals in the first round. And the way this team is constructed, I don't see them beating the, any of those three teams. But – you know, look, you have to try to get better. Uh, again, at the end of the day, um, they gave up, you know, a, a, a three. Now, keep in mind, you know, interesting to note, they don't have their first-round pick this year because they traded him to, to Carolina um, in the Marlowe salary cap casualty right, trade. Right, right. Uh, now they don't have a third-round pick um, uh, and uh, uh, for this year. So they only have a second-round pick in terms of rounds one, two, and three. So – uh, you know, they're trading away, you know, a lot of future assets here. Uh, but be, that's where the point in time that they're at. And we'll have to see how this plays out. Plays out. But uh, I, I thought it was a great trade for the Kings. It makes sense for the Leafs. They desperately have to make the playoffs. It would really be, you know, a stub, uh, stubbing their toe, if you will, if they would wind up not making the playoffs. Uh, and then that first-round pick that they traded away, although I believe it is top – Top three protected. Uh, I'd have to go do double check that, but I believe it is lottery top three protected. But odds are, you know, they wind up with let's say the tenth pick in the draft, the twelfth pick, whatever. And you know, like it's like, well, we had a bad year, but guess what? You know, we didn't make the playoffs, but at least we have the twelfth pick. We can get a young defense. Oh wait, no, we don't. It's it's in Carolina. <laughs> yeah. No. No. I, and and you know what? Even though they're limited on draft picks. Um, you got to think that that they're not done in Toronto and that they're still working the phones trying to 
I, I would say, Lynn, they got their backup goalie. They got a little bit of grit. Now you got to get a little bit of defense. And huh. uh, that's going to be a tough buy this year, like you said. Well, we talked that and uh, – might might be uh, had for a second, right? I think Vatnin would probably fit in well in Toronto if he doesn't end up in Vegas. Um, so you, you got to think that, yeah, you got to get creative with the cap. Maybe you take a, a Ross player with an expiring contract and send it back the other way if New Jersey's willing to eat that, or maybe New Jersey's willing to retain a little bit of salary in that kind of a deal, um, just just to free themselves of, of that contract and get some cap relief. Um, but you got to think that's where Toronto is going to be focusing their activities uh, from now until the trade deadline. Yeah, I would, I would think so. But like I said, there's going to be a lot of other teams. It's going to, like I said, it's going to have to be creative with the cap. They might need uh, from the trading partner, some cap help, like you pay, you know, a piece of salary like they did with the Clifford deal to make that work. But then usually, you know, you got to give to get if I'm New Jersey and say, okay, wait a minute. You want me to pay half of that in salary, and the going rate for him is a second plus, plus I'm paying his sal- half his salary. No problem. You know what? I'll take your the next your two this year and your two next year. You know, oh, but, oh, well, you can't take your two next year because it could wind up going to uh, the Kings. So I'm gonna need I'm gonna need some uh, more ammunition. So uh, the cost of doing business is not gonna be easy for Toronto. No Who's sir, no sir. Well, we got a big game in Vegas tonight. We got Vegas, Carolina, um, and then the homestand starts. It, it, it's the, this this is the month and the time if the Vegas Golden Knights are going to go on a run and take a hold of the Pacific Division. This this is when it has to be done. So it's going to be interesting to see tonight's game as a kickoff uh, for what's ahead. Hopefully, they do improve on that fourteen and ten home record you mentioned. That that has to go up on this homestand. Agreed. All right. Well, Chris, uh, do we have anything on tap? We're going to try and get together and do a Wednesday night show that we've been trying to do. Uh, um, Tuesday, I believe. T- Tuesday night show, a little midweek review. We'll have a couple games to talk about. Any news and notes, we'll get back to it. Uh, schedule and health and all of that, you know, that you know the old saying, we're all day to day. So yep. uh, we're going to do our best to get a Tuesday show in. And then we'll be back again next Saturday. Anything on tap for Saturday? Or are we still working on that? Still working on it. All right. Well, look. At, well, let's. We'll take a look at it during the week, and may, maybe we'll get somebody uh, on the schedule coming up here next I'm week. I'm trying to get somebody who I've been trying to get for two weeks. So hopefully, the schedule will clear for this Saturday. All right. Saturday. That sounds great. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week. We're going to get this show up and out. So thanks everybody for listening. And for Chris on Mark, we're gone.